Um, amen. Well, it's great to be together. It's great to uh, have some friends of ours be here from uh, far distances now, which is great. Um, we do have uh, the Tangs visiting. Yeah. want to welcome them. Lions, uh, parents, it's great to see you guys. You guys don't age. Amen? You guys don't age at all. You guys look great. Um, and uh, it's awesome to have you. I know you love to be spending time with Rocky. And uh, we love having uh, the Fowlers here. They're awesome. And, and it's great to have the Bullies here, guys. The Bullies came back to visit. And uh, we gave them a nice, warm uh, setting for their, for their baby. And uh, it's so great to see. We miss you so much. You guys look like pros now, parents-wise. You guys got this. No problem. Um, we also have the Montavos here, guys. They're visiting with us. They're, they're here. Um, they're, they're taking an RV across America, up the East Coast, around to spend time and encourage the churches like Paul did back in the uh, New Testament times and first century times. And we're grateful to have them and grateful to, uh, as they serve us and encourage us. And um, just, uh, they're going to go up to the Nova Scotia church as well, which will be cool. And, um, you know, at this point in my life, if I had all three boys in an RV, I don't know how encouraging I would be to people. (laughs) We would need great encouragement. Amen. But when you're empty nesters, that works out pretty good. Um, but uh, let's jump in. We're going to go Romans 13. And um, we are going to continue our Roman series. And uh, it's been very helpful for me, very encouraging to me. I hope that it's been encouraging for you on, I believe, August 11th. You can mark that in your calendars. We're going to have a time where all of us who God puts it on our heart to share something you got out of the Roman series, whether it be in your private study or of the preaching of the word. I know Charlie did an awesome job last week preaching Romans 12. It was powerful. It was convicting. It was encouraging. Uh, and just a, a great passage of scripture to look into. Amen. Uh, we have the campus, a lot of campus students at this campus ministry conference down in Boston. So we're missing a couple people there. We also have um, uh, quite a number of people that are studying the Bible right now that are close to getting baptized. Amen. So Josh uh, today was like, uh, just, it's just so great to just him waking up and now he's my brother in Christ. I'm like, what's up brother? (laughs) So happy to say that. Um, And uh, Danielle, uh, her sharing uh, was really moving to me because she just was, uh, she just was so happy, you know, and we're so happy, and, and it's great to um, see God moving in our families, amen. Um, so we talked through uh, Romans 12. Charlie did a great job, and he spoke about how we are supposed to be living sacrifices, amen. Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and how that, that it, it's, a, it's a thought process that we're here to give our gifts, Amen. And as a disciple, you have to figure out what God's gifted you with, right? That, that this is not something that's just meant to keep to yourself and just use for the world, amen? This is meant to give to the kingdom and serve others, amen? And then it, it just verse 9 through, um, I believe, 9 through 21, you could really memorize that passage and I think chew on that for the rest of your Christian life, amen? Just all the ways that we can, uh, the, I love when Paul just kind of, hits those quick little verses, you know, quick little 
uh, sayings, you know, just love must be sincere, right? Never be lacking in your spiritual fervor, you know, and just kind of hitting these different things that we need to be mindful of, amen, as Christians. And then Romans 13, he jumps into kind of a, a, another topic, right? Another topic of how now that we're justified, now that we're forgiven of our sins, now that we have, uh, we are, you know, God's adopted, amen, daughters and sons, how are we supposed to live in this world? And that's the question that we always need to ask, right, in our life, right, time, is how do we live and be Christians now, in this present age, amen? And uh, back then, it was, there was different challenges, right? And, and today, we have different challenges, right? And, and uh, it, someone was reading a book the other day, the Rogers were up to celebrate with us, and uh, Jimmy and Maria, and, and Jimmy was reading this book called uh, Countercultural uh, Christianity, and he's kind of talking about how being a Christian now in our, in our country is countercultural. That it's not something that's like a normal thing. And across America, you might, maybe down in some of the southern areas, it's, it's sort of something that you know, they hold on to. It, but, but to be countercultural, and, and more importantly, to live like a Christian, it goes against our culture. And to stand up for truth, it goes against that culture. And, and I kind of been fired up about that. Because honestly, I like to go against the crowd. I'm a rebel at heart. And Christians, if you are a Christian, there's something in you that doesn't care about the crowd. You wouldn't be here if you cared about the crowd. You would listen to your mom. You listen to your dad. You listen to your friends and say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to take this too extreme. Amen? But you're not those people. And yet at the same time, how do we... How are we supposed to react with the governing authorities of today? And especially now, as we're in a culture that has no shame when it comes to disrespecting people. No shame in disrespecting our president. No shame in disrespecting people that God has set up in authority over us. Interesting how we can... Uh, we, we have to be countercultural in that as well. And, uh, and, and you, know, you think about our current president right now, and then you think about Nero. I think we're pretty, pretty blessed, amen? I think we're pretty blessed, especially if we speak about who this man Nero was. And this is the background in which Christianity and this book of Romans was, was written and, and in Romans 13, we're going to jump right in. And the name of this message, which I think is a really good thing to think about, is there is no power but of God. Amen. And I think this is, actually comes from the King James version of this scripture. And, you know, sometimes the King James awesome. has it going on. Amen. Yeah. just want to say that. It has it going on sometimes when it comes to how they word things. And I enjoy reading the King James version and the New King James Version in Albania, that's the only thing we use because that was what was translated from, uh, you know, from English, New King James Bible, to Albanian. So we, we had a New King James Bible for two years there preaching the word. And a lot of good things were pulled out of that. But there's no power but of God. Is that your conviction? That God is so sovereign over the land that he is over it all. And we don't need to rebel. We don't need to fight 
We know that God has a plan. And if these leaders don't adhere to God's plan, it's only a moment of time until he will take them out. We've seen that in history. The Roman Empire was used to spread Christianity all over the world. And it was an amazing agent of that. Pax Romana, the peace that was throughout all the Roman Empire, allowed the gospel to be preached in such a widespread way. It was because of the governing authorities that God had set up that that's the case. We live in a country that has freedom of religion. And that was set up by God so that we would not just preach the word in America, but that we would raise up missionaries and send them all over the world. You know, we're about to go to a 40th anniversary service of the Boston Church. Pretty cool, right? Don't miss it. September, right? 8th. Mark it on your calendar. I don't want anyone to miss it. There's going to be thousands and thousands of Christians together celebrating the 40th anniversary. And one of the things that Roger Lamb is setting up is he's going to talk about the 60 plus churches that have been planted out of the Boston Church of Christ in 40 years. But then those 60 churches planted so many other churches. And just one church's impact can change the world. But because of, we have to think behind it all. During that time, think about what God did. He changed governments. The Berlin Wall fell. You know, the apartheid in Africa. You know, you know the Hong Kong became part of mainline China. You know, thinking about all these things that God has set up. God is sovereign over the land. Nations bow at his command. There is no power but of God. Amen? Amen. And so let's go through this in Romans 13. We'll read that first part. Verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there was no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do, do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers... Do not bear the sword for no reason. There are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of the possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And we'll stop right there. And the first point, of course, is, right? There is no power but of God. No power but of God. And um, God is the ultimate authority. And I think, do you have that conviction, church? That People rise, and if we just read the Old Testament for a couple books in the Bible, you'll realize that, right? Let's talk about Cyrus, the king, 
who was a pagan king, who didn't believe in the God of Yahweh, but somehow said, I'm going to build the Jewish people a temple and give them money to do it. Wow, what's up with that? How did that happen? And it was prophesied by Jeremiah. Crazy. God said, seven years you'll be in captivity and then I will bring you back. The Bible says in Proverbs that the king's heart is directed as a water course. That God can just change hearts of people. Move them. And he does it in such a wise way that they think they're making their own decisions. If you've ever seen Inception, right? You ever see that? Who's seen Inception? That'll make you think, amen? Now, God doesn't control us either, which I think is amazing. What I like about that movie, you got to see that movie, is that they want, the, the people that are implanting that thought in your mind are, is trying to help you think that you thought it. And that's the best way to do it. My wife does it to me all the time. <laughs> no, no, she's very respectful. But sometimes I'm like, what if we do this? And she's, that's a great idea. You know, that's, that's the joke with the husbands, you know. But, you know, and, 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 and you know what? It's awesome because in many ways they own that decision. And that's what God's done to all these people. You know, I think about, you know, the Soviet Union and all that happened there. We just look at history and we see God. And his fingerprints in it. You know, churches, thousands and thousands of disciples were built because God. And we have to let God be God. Amen? We're not in control. And fighting against the governing authorities does nothing. You know, I, I don't think that all protest is bad. I, I don't, I'm not saying that. But it certainly sometimes can be a waste of time. Because essentially God has set that up. And you have to let God follow through with this. Now, we do not disobey God. God is, Jesus is Lord, amen? And so if someone's saying, hey, curse Jesus. Say you're not a Christian. The governing authorities are saying that. We must say no to that because we know our God is over you, amen? So I need to listen to the one over you. And any king worth his salt, any governing authorities worth his salt would at least realize that. He's just a man. That was the problem with Nero. The emperor was seen as God. God incarnate. Many of these rulers have done that. The Egyptians, right? There's so much power that comes to them, they felt like they were God's agent on earth. And that's dangerous, of course. And it's funny how God just sort of wipes it out real quick. You know, maybe our real quick is a little longer than God's real quick, right? Because a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. But I want to talk about what the early Christians' view of this was. Because I think this is such a powerful thing in our life. Submission, church. Not many people like that word. But it's a wonderful word. Because if you do not submit, there's no peace in your life. If you want Christian peace, you have to learn to submit. To authority. God will hold the one in authority over you. Accountable. You don't need to worry about that. I've seen it in the church. I've seen it out of the church. If a leader is not being the shepherd he needs to be. God will remove them. And we see that in Solomon's case. Solomon was building. He was doing great. And then he started 
marrying off a lot of, marrying a lot of women. Amen? The next thing you know, God just tore the kingdom from him very quickly. God will do that to anyone. And the Christians understood that. And so paying taxes to somebody, a governing authority that was literally making your faith illegal. Imagine that. And then some of them are killing your family members. Imagine that. Why would I want to pay taxes? Do you see the struggle there? You know, sometimes we struggle with paying taxes. Why? It's just... I don't, uh, that's another whole challenge in itself. Amen? I'm with you. But more than that, these Christians were docked pay. They could not get full-time wages because they were Christians. So they had lowered... Uh, wages, and then they had to pay just as much tax. And there was a lot of taxes back then. You know, this is not just a, a scripture in the Bible. This is throughout all the Bible. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceable, peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Right after that, it says God's desire is that all people be saved. Do you realize that you submitting to the governing authorities allows the gospel to be reached out to many people? Think about that. Because if you are following the law, number one, it's hard to share your faith when you're in jail. As, as, as powerful as you, as you could, amen? You can still share your faith in prison. There's a great prison ministry going on right now. But it's a lot easier as you go out, Right? It's also something God's always in every generation striving for the most people to be saved. God wants all men to be saved. Amen? Come to a knowledge of the truth. We need to pray for those in power. Not just that their families can be okay. Not just that they can govern our great country. But in light of praying that the gossip can be more spread through their leadership. Pretty amazing, huh? Pretty amazing. Remind those, Titus 3, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. That's a great passage. Obedient. That's another word we don't like. Obedient to the governing authorities. This gets convicting because when there's that stop sign... And you're a little late. <laughs> Amen? Or if you have to send a text in the car. You know, or if you have, hey, I'm just going to run that red light. This is challenging. Or, you know, I, I could get by on taxes by doing this. It's not necessarily going to be caught. I mean, little old me. My tax situation is not going to be... I'm probably not going to be audited by the IRS because I'm not making enough to care. But guys, it's a matter of conscience. God is watching. God knows our hearts. And there's no amount of money, no amount of time, no amount of ease, amen, that could, could suffer against your conscience. Your conscience as a Christian is one of the most important things you need to be mindful of. Amen? You have to be mindful of it. Because Satan will attack your conscience, won't he? He'll say, well, you're a Christian, but you're doing this? You know, and this is so important that we as people 
Always take a gauge of our consciences, guys, toward the governing authorities. You know, well, I'm God's son, people can say. I'm God's daughter. I'm a prince living in this city. You know, but still, you're under God's leadership, and God says, follow those people. A lot of people think, well, this is when Peter and Paul, this is before Peter and Paul were, were, were killed by Nero. And it's before the really massive persecution happened, amen? Because in the second and third century, people were getting ravaged and killed all the time for their faith. So surely they thought differently, but they didn't. If we look at early Christian writings, right? We see this scripture from, from 1 Peter. This is one of the oldest New Testament books. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake for every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors. At this point in time, Nero is in charge. Nero's the one who crucified him upside down. Pretty convicted. Who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is super convicting. You know, Peter's wife died as well under this emperor. And he's saying, honor the emperor. I wonder how much respect was given to the emperor by Peter before he's crucified upside down. There's something more powerful about submission. I don't need to fight against you because I am just going to be fine because God has me. And my sole purpose is because God doesn't have you yet, emperor, that I'm acting this way. That's the Christian faith. Amen. Amen. What about Justin Martyr, who himself wrote an apology to the emperor? Everywhere we, more readily than all men, endeavor to pay those appointed by you to taxes, both ordinary and extraordinary. I love this one. Extraordinary. As we have been taught by Jesus. Hmm, interesting. When did Jesus teach that? Well, he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. They tried to trick him, right? And he said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. You know, there were the zealots back then that thought any governing authorities was worth fighting against. They thought they were the Maccabees and they went after it. But that's not how they spread the gospel, amen? That's not how God wanted it to happen. Jesus taught, pay taxes. And it's interesting how he was like, hey, go catch it in a fish. I love that. I love that passage, right? God will provide church. When it comes to taxes and money and all that. Amen. You don't have to. You, you just have to submit. Amen. Yeah. Be peaceable. You know. If you get tax evasion. What does that mean for the gospel church? You ever think about some of your actions. Can impact the gospel. You are an ambassador of Jesus. And so in every area you're representing Christ. In every area of your life. Amen. Right. He says, but in other things, we will gladly serve you. Acknowledge, we worship only God, but in other things, we will gladly serve you. This is a great way to describe our submission to God and the authorities. Acknowledging you as kings and rules or, or, or men and praying 
that with your kingly power you may be found to possess also sound judgment. This is the emperor that put him to death, too. His name's Justin Martyr for a reason. He didn't get the last name Martyr. He was martyred because of his faith in Jesus and because the emperor, he put his name on the apology. What a bold statement, amen? Tertullian, we offer prayers for the safety of our princes to the eternal, the true, the living God. Christians cannot but look up to the emperor because the emperor is called to office by the Lord. There is no power but of God. I don't think I need to talk much about this anymore. I think we need to make the decision that in every area of the law, we will be obedient. Unless it goes against what Jesus would want. And then we must break the law. You know, in some countries, you cannot preach the word. Well, guess what? The word must still be preached. In countries, you cannot pray, you know, in school. But Christians who are in school ought to pray. And there's different ways to pray and there's different ways to do it. And we need to obey God first. Amen? Amen. Second point. Let's, let's get into it. Verse 8. Love fulfills the law. A lot here. Let no doubt, debt remain outstanding. We'll stop right there. How is your debt situation? You're like, oh man. What are you talking about? This is a church. <laughs> God put this in the Bible for a reason. You know, when you go through exegetical preaching, when you go through book, book and chapter by chapter, God meets needs, amen, that I wouldn't really talk about. It's not like something I go up to Josh Bully, I'm like, how's your debt doing, bro? It's not something that I care to talk about. But we must have a conviction that we need to let no debt remain outstanding, amen? And if you need help with that, there's great people in here. We have a Ramsey course We've, we've, we've started every year. We've been doing it. Dave Ramsey. It's so good when you pay off a debt. I don't know if you've ever felt that. When you pay off a debt, it just, you celebrate. You feel freer. God wants you to have that freedom. And I believe God can bless us that way through us being godly people. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Oh. That's a convicting passage all around, amen? Amen. Debt remain outstanding. I will never pay back the debt to love. Love is something I'm always indebted to. To you and you to me. And that's when Peter says, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times? Peter thought he had the right answer. Seven times, that's a lot lot of chances, Lord. It's also the perfect number. And I think he even met more than seven times, to be honest. But then he says, seven times 77. That was crazy. That's some crazy kind of God math right there. <laughs> That's like infinite times infinite, infinite. What does that equal? Wow. It equals a big number. It equals a non-internal, you know, I'll still in heaven, I will still love you. And it'll be easier to love in heaven, probably. But I want to say this, church. Augustine said something so awesome. And I love this because I don't like rules. Amen? Keeping it real. I don't like rules. Because I'm not self-controlled enough to follow all the rules. I would be a terrible Jew. Amen? 
be terrible. 616 laws or something like that, or 13 laws, I'd have to follow. I would follow them because I love God. But boy, I would be bringing the goats and the sheep a ton. Because I would be, I did it again. The priest is like, what? I did it again. I, 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 I touched the unclean thing again. Stop touching the unclean thing. I know, I know. I'm grateful I don't have to worry about that today. Amen? Amen. Write this quote down. St. Augustine said this. Love God and do what you like. Love God and do what you like. I love that quote. I love that quote. Because all I have to do is focus on one thing. Loving God. And loving God is also loving people. Because if I can't love the person I can see, how can I love the person I don't see? That's what John says in 1 John. Amen? I'm encouraged that my major focus is to love God and to love others. And that's what Paul says. He says, whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not covet. and Whatever other command there may be. I love that. He kind of knew all of them, by the way. He just was like, I don't want to list them all. Are summed up by this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to your neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. All you need is love. It's true. It's a true song and it's true in our life. Christians, we need to focus on our love. I started to get this early as a Christian. And it was funny because I was such a mess when I was a Christian. When I became a Christian, I mean, Josh is talking about, oh, am I, am I righteous enough? And then I'm like, oh, man. Well, I'm a great example of a mess. I was striving. I repented a lot of things. But I remember I was studying the Bible with someone. And I, I tried to repent of everything I remembered. And the guy, we finished this awesome Bible study, and, and this guy became a Christian, which is awesome. And he's like, hey, what time is it? And I was like, I stole this watch before I was a Christian, and I forgot to give it back. I feel so embarrassed and so convicted. At a party, before I was a Christian, you know, like, nah, at the party, I'm like, look at that watch, it's on there. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, let me take that, you know? And I started wearing it with no conscience, church. I literally forgot. And you know, at church, sometimes you sin so much, you forget how much, you know. It wasn't like I was holding back. That's not a sin I would hold back. But I was like, so I went back to the guy. I said, I stole your watch. Can I take you out for dinner? <laughs> He was like, yeah, I was wondering, like, I saw you with the watch. And I was like, is that my watch? But I thought, no way, he's a Christian. He would never steal a watch from me. And I was like. So church, love fulfills the law. He forgave me. Amen. And I shared my faith with him, but it wasn't the most powerful testimony. Amen. But I still shared it. You know, I I think the thing I want to say is that we can fall and falter. But if we focus on love, we're going to be just fine. We will fulfill the law. You know, there are times when, um, you know, on campus, 
I was one of the only disciples on UNH's campus. And, you know, it's a party school. There's girls. And there were times when people would, you know, say, hey, you want to go out, blah, 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 ask on a date. And I would say, I, I would say no. And it wasn't because I wasn't tempted. It wasn't because I was not lonely. It's because I thought, what if they never get a chance to know Jesus? See, love helped me be righteous, even though I'm not a righteous person by nature. Because I thought about their soul first, before my needs. And that's the ultimate form of love. When you think of someone's soul, their eternal destiny, before you think about yourself. And if you did that throughout your whole week this week, you would be mighty in love. You know, when someone gets mean to you or treats you bad, you think, wait a second. I can share that you hurt me, but I'm going to do it with love. I'm going to speak the truth in love because I want you to know Jesus someday. And if I model that to you, what's that going to feel like? Amen? Amen. It's powerful to think about this. You know, the peer pressure. You know what helped me overcome peer pressure? Love. How could I, what if I'm at Judgment Day and my friend, who I was scared to talk to about Jesus, were walking in, he's like, Glenn, what's up? And then I enter heaven and he doesn't. He's like, why didn't you talk to me? Why were you scared of me? Look at, look at him. Why didn't you fear him and what he was going to do to me? There are times I had those thoughts. And it helped me love people. Despite being scared of what people think, you know, love finds a way, church. And I just want to encourage you that God loved you so much. You need to focus on that. That's going to give you the power to love people. Stop trying to follow the rules. Stop trying to do everything right. And just love people. And you will do more right, more good than if you followed the rules. Amen? Amen. We see that in the Pharisees. They followed all the rules, but they forgot justice, mercy, and love. Amen? I'm not a righteous man by nature. I am not a self-controlled man by nature. I have run red lights. I have texted in the car. I have broken lots of rules. You know, the worst one is hot tub rules. Don't stay in there 10 minutes. Who made that rule? You know what I mean? It's convicting sometimes. How many times I break the rule? But love, right? Love will make me submit to those rules. Amen? Amen. <laughs> There's a lot of rules. All right, let's go in verse 11. We'll end up, guys. Paul's just going after it. You know, he talks about some really deep things in this passage. Romans 13 is not a passage that I like camp out on. Let's do Romans 13. But it's good. Doesn't it feel good? Don't you feel like it's great to go to a passage you don't usually go to? And how edifying that is? And this is how Paul ends the chapter. The day is near. Okay, Paul. I thought we were done here. We could go home right now. But just by the way, Jesus is coming back. So that's interesting. The day is near. Third point. And do this understanding the present time. Verse 11. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first be- when we first believed. Amen? Amen? 
The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do, th- do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. Challenging passage, guys. But the day is near, church. Amen. Day is near. Day is near. The day is near. Okay, I've been a disciple for 23 years. It's closer than it's ever been. I'm closer to seeing my Lord's face. I don't know what I want. I, I kind of want to go to paradise for more people to come to, to, to Christ. Because I know the more time God holds back his coming the more people are saved, but also the more people are lost. <sighs> what a decision God has to make. You ever think about the Father? How does he make that decision to come back? The Bible says the Son does not know, not even the angels know. What was God the Father going to say? When is he coming back? It's something encouraging and also dreadful at the same time. Encouraging for those that are in Christ, who have made Jesus Lord, repented their sins and been baptized into Christ. We are in Christ. We are new creations. That's a, that's a new thing. But Jesus coming back, I literally, I didn't tell Josh this, but I was praying that Jesus would not come back because I wanted Josh to make it. Don't come back, Lord. Don't come back. Such a weird prayer to pray. Isn't that weird? And then I heard a voice. I got this. Remember? Submit to the authorities governing you. I I think God's going to come back at the perfect time. It's going to be a time we're not ready for. But it's a time we can be ready for. We don't have to know. And we're going to be surprised. There's another part of me that would love to see it. To see Jesus come back. The trumpet heard and then angels descending down and Jesus Christ coming down and all of a sudden just snatching up those that are his and bringing them to a new place. People coming out of the grave being resurrected both evil and righteous. How? What, what a day that will be. You know, let's go to, let's end in Second Peter chapter 3. You know, Peter says the same thing as Paul says. How often do you think about Jesus' return? I just want to confess, I don't daily think about it. I don't know if I weekly think about it. There's so many things that take up space in our mind, amen? Think about it. I'm like, wait a second. I got to bring the kids' kingdom bins in the car. I thought about that. You know, to help Danielle, I try to carry him up there. But if I forget them, those kids are not going to have toys. That takes up some space, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? And then, hey, do I got this sermon on point? You know, there's so many things to think about. Godly things, good things. Sometimes, you know, oh man, I, I, I gained a little weight yesterday. Got to get mine this week. You know what I mean? Just all these things that come in your mind, right? All these things that come in my mind. But does Christ's return take up space? And I want to encourage you. Even if once a week you just read a passage about Christ's return. Mm -hmm. 
Once a week. This is one of those passages that's crazy. 2 Peter chapter 3 is one of those passages that will wake you up, the Bible says, from your slumber. You know, sometimes we're kind of on autopilot spiritually. I read my DPI book. I said a little prayer. And I'm going to work. And amen, sometimes that's great. But sometimes we got to wake up as Christians and go, wait a second, Christ could return today. And the early Christians believed he was coming soon. You know, one of the things is they were looking to John because John says, if I want to come back before, he's, before he dies, what is it to you, Peter? And he had explained in the book of John, no, no, he didn't mean that John was never going to die. He meant that he could come back at any time. And so there's an expectation. And 2,000 years ago, it's hard to have that same expectation. It's hard to have that. But, but Peter reminds us something in verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing. I love that. Those scoffers are going to come scoffing. And following their own evil desires, they say, where is this coming? He promised ever since our ancestors died. Everything goes on as it's has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the, word, the world of that time has been deluged and destroyed. By the same word, he, he, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like the day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Amen? Amen. But everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people, church, ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed of its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with Him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with the wisdom that God gave him. And we'll stop right there. Peter and Paul had the same message. Jesus is coming back. When that final trumpet is, is blown, who, whatever our tax situation looks like isn't going to matter. When Jesus comes back, our flesh is not going to matter, church. Our gratifications and the things we struggle with are not going to matter anymore. They will be melted away. Temptation will no longer be something that we feel. The devil will be thrown into the burning sulfur. Death will be thrown and never be back again. The angels will rejoice and we will have the most incredible 
eternal, unending fellowship with God and another. What does that make you feel, church? It gives you perspective, doesn't it? That it doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter if my rights are not always being, you know, uh, something that I feel is happening in my life. It doesn't matter. And that's what the early Christians believed. Oftentimes, before they were killed, they would say a prayer for the emperors that were killing them. Because they knew where they were going. But they prayed for the people that, where they were going. Polycarp said, before he was burned at the stake, the fire that I'm in is only temporary. But the fire that you'll be in will be unending. So I pray for you. Tradition says that he stayed in the fire without being bound and died at 89 years old. This is the faith we have to have, church. So that when we, somebody says something about our president, we tell them, hey, I respect the president because I believe God is over it all. Don't worry about it. Stop focusing on trying to stop it. And focus on the fact that Jesus is coming back. Amen. How about we protest, you know, sin? What if we protest living for ourselves? That would be a great protest. We need to focus on the higher things. Amen? And one of the highest things we can do is love. Augustine said it right. Love God and do what you like. Amen. Amen.